Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 90 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry MTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Evening, everyone. Also, I'm very excited that it's episode 90. That's really great. What's so special about that? I feel significant. Yeah, Can't I guess so. Significant. Yeah, yeah, okay. I respect that, respect that. Yeah, and I'm also joined by Gabriel Nassif. Hey, hey guys. Hey, everyone. What's up? Well, 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 I am boiling. <laughs> I'm going to start off the podcast with that. If uh, describing my room as a sauna right now is an understatement, so I'm extremely hot, so ex- expect this episode to be super scuffed. But I'm sure you want to know what we're going to be talking about today. It's all about modern, and it, it's all about Gab, basically. Um, over the past week, you won the modern challenge, so we're going to be getting to that, his deck, his matchups. We're also going to be talking a bit about ghosting, um, you know, when Gab streams and when I stream or whatever, you know, people watch the stream and look at your hand when they're your opponents. So we're going to get into that as well, which I think will be quite spicy. I think that'll just be randomly throughout the episode, probably when we all feel about, you know, feel. What is it? When we feel like talking about it. See, the heat is getting to my head, literally getting to my head. What What else is the intro? Oh, yeah, the podcast. We're proudly sponsored by Card Market. Uh, I have to tell you that it is a marketplace to buy Magic the Gathering singles, accessories, anything card game related. Doesn't even have to be magic. It could be Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, whatever. You can sell things on there. Go check it out. Cardmarket.com, cardmarket.eu. They're great. I should also say, if you want to personally support the podcast, you can check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash midweekmedigame. Best place to support us. But no pressure to do so. Now, Gab, please relieve me of this heat stroke that I'm having right now, basically, and uh, tell us about this challenge when you just had. Yeah. I I won the, the Sunday challenge. I played... A Jeskai control deck at Brood. I also played the Saturday challenge, but do you guys remember what I played on Saturday? Oh, I remember. What was it already? It was the Naya deck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. So maybe we should start with that, because I guess that has a little bit to do. So yeah, I decided, you know, Rat Chandler is a great card. Ragman's a great card. Bubble, you know, you start you start your deck with these three cards. Can't go too, too wrong. You you know you maybe uh, make it a rose deck and you have just such a such a good such a good base for a deck. So I decided you know people have done blue red, people have done red black, people have done Grixis, but no one has really done you know straight red green or Naya. And I figured you know Chandler doesn't trigger just of instant and sorceries; it's any non creature spell, so it'll trigger of Ren and six and you know whatever else I want to put in the deck. So Decided to build a Naya deck that I thought would match up nicely against the the meta decks, and I had I had a Nokia run, you know. I think I went, I ended up went going four and four. I think I was two and three and stopped streaming because I was not doing great. And then I I just finished a turn off stream and won a couple. I lost the last one. I think I played really poorly in the last round. So yeah, it was Naya Loros. It had. The Chandler Ragman base, Lightning Bolt. I was playing four Path to Exile, four Prismatic Ending, four Goy, four Red and Six. And uh, I, I was playing Urza Saga too. That was the other thing I wanted to do. I was like, why not throw all the busted cards together? So That was so, the bit that I liked the most about it. When you showed me the list, it was you know four Red and Six and some Urza Saga. And I was like, those two cards really belong together and I haven't seen it yet. So this, this deck's probably fine. Yeah, I had two Saga in the deck. I was in, trying to be not too greedy because you pretty much have to count them as spells. You know, these likes, these decks kind of want to play 20 lands. So, you know, like the blue-red deck. What, what do you play in your deck, Pat? 20 lands? 18. 18, okay, yeah. So, but you, you can't just, you know, count Saga, really. You need, you need your colored mana, especially oh, in a free card Saga deck. wouldn't tap for a single mana in my deck. Yeah, exactly. So that was an interesting experiment. It, it went okay. And, um, you know, it's kind of felt like the metagame was pretty narrow. And I was thinking about, you know, something a little different. I didn't want to play Living In again. I, I want to try, you know, try and brew something. So, um, you know, I went back to control and I decided I was going to go all out, you know, no counter spells, just all cheap removal, cantrips, lots of card advantage. Because I want to be able to fight in the late game against something like, you know, a region. It's not about these decks, these these challenger decks, they are so good at grinding. So not only do you need a lot of cheap removal to not lose the early game, 
but you also need, you know, cards like your own iterations, maybe, you know, Planeswalker that's playing Shark Typhoon. Uh, so yeah, that, that Jeskai deck uh, kind of came together. I decided to play Rest in Peace in the main deck, a couple copies, because that card's just great against pretty much everyone. And, uh, you know, I also thought Verdict was amazing right now, especially against Regent. A common line for the, the Blu-ray deck is to be able to play Regent with Counterspell Backup. And I thought Verdict was decent counterplay to that. That's Verdict pretty solid overall. And uh, decided not to rely too much on Jason Teferi Hero of Dominaria, only one copy of each. I decided to play for Shark Typhoon instead. The reasoning was that I was a bit worried about Unholy Heat. And since I'm not playing you know, multiple Planeswalkers. I wanted my deck to be as lean as possible and not have too many expensive cards. So I didn't want to play, you know, a bunch of Jaces and Teferis. So, yeah, I was like, well, I still need to make sure I don't just lose a long game where they just have, you know, a bunch of unholy heats for my Planeswalker and I just run out of win condition. So for Shark Typhoons, I, I played a Castle Arden Veil as well. And, um, you know, I just, I just ended up winning the tournament. I got the matchups I wanted. I uh, I even beat a couple ad nauseums to start the, the the challenge. Actually, that was my first two matchups, round one and two. I went and back and watched. The, I watched. You went back and watched the VOD of the of that, and I, I can't believe you beat both those, both those decks. They look both game both matches look so bad for you when you're playing them, and then suddenly it was just kind of like actually they have no they have no outs in this game. Like you've just drawn like you know, one chalice of the void, and like the, the fairy time ravel is doing work. It was it was really remarkable. You didn't even draw a counter spell. You beat him without casting a single counter spell, which is incredible. Yeah, the new version of Ad Nauseam is weird. It's really good in some ways, and that tutor is amazing in a lot of matchups. But it really sucks against the fairy time raveler. And prismatic ending is very efficient because. They're trying to assemble their combo, and it makes it so much harder for them to do so when you can just always get rid of Phyrexin on life. And Pentad Prism. Removing that Pentad Prism on turn two is, like, just a huge headache. Yeah, I feel like whenever I go up to their mana, artifact mana, they always end up flooding anyways. I was like, man, I kind of wasted my ending. But, uh, yeah, no, Teferi was huge. You know, I definitely ran good. Uh, I think there was a game where I drew Teferi... You know, on turn one or two, I didn't have it in my opening hand, and then uh, having two suspend cards, and I got both. So that was backbreaking. And uh, yeah, I didn't get paired against any big mana decks. I didn't get paired against anything too weird. I just, you know, played, I think, Regent once. I uh, played maybe against Red Black once. I don't exactly remember all the matchups, but kind of the, the decks you would expect in, in the meta. Yeah, you just didn't play against Hammer Time, right? That was the only kind of big big tier one deck he didn't get it didn't get a chance to play against is that not, right? not a not a hammer time inside either neither saturday nor sunday actually i was super ready for it on saturday and sunday but not a single hammer time matchup despite kind of being the deck to beat and i'm not even sure it top aided either it didn't top eight either challenge, challenge. yeah there's none in the top eight but there's like four or five copies in both top six top 32s Okay, so it was still player. I just just happened to not take top eight. People were super ready, which I don't know if it was underplayed or underperformed, but people all I was playing against all week was Grixis. A lot of Grixis. Uh, you know, just Blu-ray splashing for Colgan's command. I, I know you've had success against Hammer Time was that the Black Splash, but I guess people decided maybe the Black Splash was what you needed to be Hammer Time. So yeah. I definitely think that the black splash from from Grixis helps the Hammer Time matchup. And there's no there's no doubt about that. I just have made some adjustments to Blue Red Merktide that I think give me a, a good enough shot at that matchup that I'm I'm okay with it. I don't need to make my mana worse and you know cut off access to a you know a card like Merktide Regent. I actually did play a league with this exact seventy five today. Um, I just copied and pasted your challenge winning list. So, I mean, you've probably made loads of changes, but I just a couple questions with the uh, the mana base. I really dislike two basic mountains. <laughs> that that, that kind of screwed me over a little bit once. I also wanted to ask, um, you know, with Prismatic ending in the deck, have you ever thought of putting in, like, um, let's say, Katria Triumph, so you have access to green just to get something yeah. if it's, like, 4 CMC? You are absolutely the living embodiment of Twitch chat right now. I actually think I actually think that the triumph would be reasonable because I guess for the, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I w- it was kind of coincidental that I played against a load of decks with four CMC things. Don't, don't second guess yourself. I think you're right. It's probably a good argument to have the fourth color in there. I just think that Gab was asked that question by every member of tw- that came through his Twitch chat. Oh, really? Actually, yeah. <laughs> I actually made oh, that I change. I, I played a league as well, too. Uh, the day after, I went 1-4. <laughs> so, honeymoon phase was over. But my matches were close, and they, I, I ran kind of bad. But uh, anyways, I did I did cut the second mountain for a, a green triumph because Jay's nice. Divine Sculpture was a problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think every tap land really hurts you a ton in these decks and in this format. You need, you know, you need to be able to to kill that turn one drop, and you want to be able to play, you know, a wall of omens on turn two, and or whatever your two drop is, a red and six. And there's there's not a ton of spots for you in the curve to to play that tap line at any point. So I, com- I completely agree. I mean, even in the first weeks of the format, when we're, there was like that Jeskai Stoneblade with Ragavan deck. That deck had a had a had a uh, what is it whatever the Jeskai Triumph is, is is called. It had one copy of that and it was just awful. Even though you'd think that you really like like the benefit from this fixing, the you you have to go you couldn't keep a hand that had like an island and a fetch land and just assume that you had all your mana but also hitting your curve. And I just I just think that curving out is so important and using your mana so efficiently. It, using mana efficiently is just like the key in this format at the moment. You just have to spend your mana on the first few turns to interact or put pressure on the opponent or you're just dead in the water as, as far as I, I'm, I'm concerned. And triumphs just don't do a good job of that. I, I would much rather take take the extra two damage and just fetch an untapped shockland. Definitely. I don't think it's quite as bad in the deck I played to have a triumph as it is in that Ragavan deck. No, your, your deck is certainly an exception to the rule. I mean, you, you're like casting your reveal spell on turn one or you're just, you're, you're fetch tapped. Whereas, you know, the other decks, like, if they're not casting a removal spell, they're putting pressure on the opponent. But yeah, the, the deck was basically just a pile of removal. You know, I had four bolts, four free verdicts, four endings, a bunch of wall of omens, a path to exile, a lightning helix, a solitude, and, uh, yeah, just fire ice, shark typhoons. What I really liked about the list in general was that you just didn't have any of the kind of, like, big-name cards in it. There was no Ragavans, there's no Urza's Sagas. There's, like, there's nothing that people have been kind of, like, you know, making a fuss about, essentially, on, yeah, on, on Twitter. True. It's just all a bunch of old cards, you know, sorcery true. speed, <laughs> tapping out. That's probably why people are so hyped, too. I, I posted, you know, my mandatory t- tweet when I won the challenge, and it got way more engagement than i thought it would i guess people were just happy to see just a bunch of wool of omens and no ragavan as you said no or the saga no nothing just win the challenge just cl- good clean fair magic that's an underdog story for the ages really if you look at the price it's actually one of the cheaper decks in the top eight it's uh yeah, yeah. half half as expensive as almost every deck but uh still, still pretty expensive but yeah, I think, you know, I don't think the deck's broken or anything. I thought it was Perfect Storm. Uh, I got the good matchups, right meta. I think I played well all day. And yeah, just good run, good plays, good matchups. You know, I, I thought I, I built the deck pretty well. I ended up playing one counter spell in the main and more in the sideboard. I figured, you know, in the matchups where I don't want all these removal spells. Counter spell was just a more versatile card, but it wasn't even that great for me. I guess I never really played these matchups where I desperately needed counter spell. Even against Ad Nauseam, as you said, I ended up winning a lot of games just with removal and Teferi Time Raveler. Teferi Time Raveler is a big one for me. I think that card's just so good right now. It's obviously amazing against Cascade if you can land it. It's great against Ad Nauseam. It's, it's never bad in other matchups, but it, that card is just fantastic right now. It's, it's good against Regent. Give you a pseudo answer to a regent, and um, you know, being able to cast verdict at at, at instant speed is kind of nice. Even prismatic ending at instant speed is nice. Iteration, okay. not right. not as not as exciting to cast iteration at instant speed, but uh, no, less so. But we can talk about iteration a little bit more in, in a second. I just wanted to kind of highlight the fact that that deck, although it looks like a pile of cards, you really you really did kind of select things that were like fitting really nicely into like what other people are doing in the metagame at the moment like supreme verdict's really underrepresented at the moment and obviously like really great against Murktide regent like you like you pointed out uh rest in peace main has like a lot of utility against a lot of the top decks at the moment 
your Wall of Omens is really good as well. It just blocks Ragavan. And like one of the thing, one of the problems with these control decks is getting kind of stuck behind with Ragavan, with your opponent has a Ragavan, and you you play that like Teferi Time Reveler, you know, great against decks of Cast and Counter Spells, Arsenal's Murktide Regent, and then Shark Typhoon as well, just kind of dodging all that kind of you know counter magic that that, that the blue the blue red decks have, and you know being the card advantage, you know attrition like a cantripping threat against like black red and whatnot. It just had a lot. It hit a lot of the right notes, I think, for what the way the format was shaping up, just on that particular weekend. And you know, it's, I don't think it's actually an accident that you won won the tournament. But now that the cats have the bag, I don't think that deck's got as much legs as you know maybe the people who click like on your Twitter post would, would hope. I mean, yeah. I had major problems with the deck in terms of like winning the game. <laughs> you know, I'd kill everything and then I'd go, okay, well, I've got to draw a win condition now or I'm going to lose. And then a lot of games, I just didn't draw the win condition and I lost. Yeah, what did you get third against? I went 3-2. I beat Rhinos. Uh, Rhinos was actually pretty remember. tough. That was my one loss. I lost to them in the Swiss and I beat them in the finals, but... Chase the Mind Sculpture out of their deck was a pretty big problem. Yeah, yeah. And, I, uh, yeah. I lost a spike on this, like, blue-red splashing white for Loris um, aggro deck. That was really tough with Archmage's Charm stealing yeah. my sharks. He was basically playing the the version of blue-red that I was playing prior to this Murktide region deck, where you just you just don't have any top end. You just have, you have Loris instead of Murktide. What did I beat? I beat like some like I beat I beat an Abzan deck and I lost to an Abzan deck. I lost to Abzan Reanimator because I just did nothing and then they just hard cast their reani- <laughs> uh, their reanimation creatures and then I Honestly, died. That match was so funny to watch. <laughs> yeah, it was so literally good. like it was literally like okay, I killed everything, played a rest in peace, so they couldn't reanimate anything, and it's like I need to draw one win condition and I win and I whiffed on like six seven draw steps and they just went land 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 land. Ashton Rider, Exile Your Shark Typhoon, and then they had Ephemerae in their deck and stuff. It was just it was like, amazing. You were like, I tuned in and your hand was like lightning bolt, lightning bolt, four prismatic endings, and your opponent's got like, oh yeah, that was it, yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, like, it was so dumb. Or Siege Rhino, it was great. Yeah, the problem I had with this deck is that there was just like, I feel like you rely on top decks a lot if you're up against, if you know that you're against a creature deck, you're going to keep a hand with all removal. And then you pray for a card draw spell, and what you've got, 4, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, you've got 13, you can easily whiff, or if you draw an iteration, you can easily whiff. I also didn't like Fire Ice, I thought that I never, the thing is, I felt like I never needed the fire, the two mana removal spell, and then the ice just didn't make sense because I'm always tapping out sorcery speed. What was your reasoning behind Fire Ice? That's a fair point. I just think Fire Ice is a good card, and I wanted more cheap removal. I just like it. I like it against Cascade decks. You slow them down a bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're on the draw, you get to tap their land before they Cascade, and then you get to play the Fairy. And I co- I killed some Risen Reef. There's, you know, it kills Ragavan. Mm. It it taps Regen sometimes. You know, with, with free Verdicts, you, you're happy to just tap a Regen. Just gives you some time to draw to your Verdict. I think the card's really good, actually. I was wondering if I shouldn't play more. And for win conditions, it's possible Shark Typhoon's not that great. Maybe I should just actually play more Jace and Teferis. Maybe Shark Typhoon was nothing special, but uh, I see it worked out for me. When I, when I, mean, I went... I sorry. like Ice. So I really like Ice for tapping tapping the second blue source to resolve the Fairy Time Reveler. I think it's a really important interaction. Yeah, I guess that, that doesn't really come up for me, even against Regent. But I just think that card is really good. It's maybe not that good in something like Blue Red Murktide because you're almost overpaying for the effect. You, you said you said that, but I'm sitting here wondering, like, maybe that's the card I need to make really make the Hammer Time matchup good. Yeah, it might help. But the, the, just, rate's, the rate's not even that great. The flexibility is nice, though. I'm just thinking, like, the thing is, I only ever cast it when I had, like, six, seven, eight mana. You know, um, I, I get that the application against Cascade is really good, but I'm just thinking, like, if you're only, if I'm casting this spell, like, so late game, why don't we just have, like, a cryptic command, you know? Well, if, if you didn't need it early, then that's fine, right? That's just the whole point to have good opening hands and always play turn one and play turn two. 
Yeah. And later on, you get into cycles. Same reason for shark diving. You know, you can cycle it on turn two if you need to dig two answers, and you're not stuck with a bunch of dead cards in hand. Mm-hmm. When I went one four, I lost to Affinity twice, which was kind of a tough matchup. You think all removal would be decent against Affinity, but they have all these draw twos. Also, I think I won the game where I drew Verdict, and I lost the games where I didn't draw Verdict. I also think maybe I misplayed one match. I lost to Dredge, which I haven't played against in weeks, uh, despite, you know, rest in peace and relic in the main. Um, I made a few changes after the challenge. I cut a rest in peace for a relic in the main. I cut the counter spell from the main. I uh, added verdict number four and all of Omens number four. And I did the triumph. So, yeah. That was that was that was the challenge. But obviously, challenge run was you know super sweet. Um, I even beat a I beat a ghoster. I got ghosted twice this weekend. I felt like I hadn't gotten ghosted in months, and I got pretty sure I got ghosted on Saturday. Someone playing Etron, where basically I had one void mirror in my sideboard, and I drew it, and they didn't sag their map to get Tron. They kept their map to get Urborg, which was kind of awful. It like, <laughs> I mean, it would have. If I don't have Void Mirror and they play like that, it's gonna lose them the game like so often because they cause themselves so much tempo. Yeah, they didn't so, even. They, they passed on turn three, with like, Tron one, Tron two, and Map Mana up with, and they missed their land drop and passed on turn three. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what happened? They went turn one map, Tron land map. Turn to Tron Land. Did, Tron Land Chalice is void. Uh, Chalice for one, yeah. Which was yeah. already like a little suspicious play. I mean, Chalice for one is reasonable, but I have a lot of two and three mana or two mana cards in my deck, anyways. And then on turn three, they had um, the removal spell in hand, I think, plus three, minus three. And instead mm-hmm. of going sack map to get the third Tron, be able to cast that spell of, you know, their Tron Land, they just said go. And then they kill my creature. Yeah, it was like super sketchy. There's almost no way they weren't ghosting. The only way is like maybe they're traumatized by Void Mirror and they lost to Void Mirror like six times in a row and they're just super paranoid. And then, but yeah, it was it was bad. And then on Sunday, I got ghosted by someone who it was like their screen name on Magic Online was Gandia. And they they were in and there was someone in my chat called Gyanda Man. So the same screen name was Man at the end. And they made like a couple sketchy plays. You know, they played around my second verdict. So I I, I brought up the hand hider. And you know, so there was the, the name kind of evidence plus the suspicious plays evidence. And then they came in chat and they were like, <laughs> so there's Gyanda Man in chat, and they said, Oh, I'm not related to Gyanda. And then it turns out they literally have a Twitch channel. So Gyandaman, who was on Twitch, has a Twitch that's called Gyandaman. And if you go on his Twitch, there's a there's a VOD of him playing on the Gyanda account on Magic Online. <laughs> so not only were we almost sure before that, because what are the odds that there's a Gyanda and it was spelled like J-H-I-A-N-D-A? Uh, and then they literally incriminated themselves in chat by lying. That was that the other Gyandaman. Something that's so easily that we can verify. So that was that's something. At least I beat them. I lost the the Tron player. So that that was a feel bad. Because I think I was a, I think I was maybe one and one or two and one when I lost. So that was you, you I mean, were one and you were one and one at the point in time when you lost the the, yeah. the Eldrazi Tron player. And if they if they play, you were going to cold them with with Void Mirror if they played like a normal human being. Yeah. That so that, that kind of felt bad. I I did beat them on Sunday though. So that felt good to beat the the ghost right now. You know, it brought so, up the usual, the usual conversation of like, oh, you know, but you're getting help from chat and stuff. So I don't want to go over that. Obviously, ghosting is bad. Don't do it. There's no justification. I think it's actually against the TOS of Magic Online to ghost a streamer. But, you know, I do think there is, you know, a point to be made that, sure, I think, you know, when you stream, I think you cost yourself EV in the game, you're gonna play worse on average, whether it's because you're distracted or you get bad suggestion from chat or you time out. In my case, you know, I think I wouldn't time out as much if I wasn't streaming. 
So I think overall, when you're streaming, you play worse. But I will say that I think that if you're playing high six matches, it would be good practice. And I do it sometimes. I, I don't always do it. Sometimes I forget or sometimes uh, I slip. But I do think it, it could be good practice to play with Twitch chat closed. This way, there's no bad feelings. Because sure, if you play against a streamer, on average, it's probably good for you to play against a streamer. You're going to win more often than if you played against someone who wasn't streaming. But it, it does feel bad, you know, if you if you playing for top eight and they get a suggestion from chat on the winning line and you go back and see that and you know it can feel bad so obviously it's there's no perfect answer or solution but i do think that maybe when you're playing high six matches you should play with chat closed and not get any help from chat this way there's there's no bad feeling so you know a league's probably not very high stakes Early on in the challenge, maybe not super high six, but maybe when you're playing for top eight, you know, maybe when you're five and zero or five and one, or when you're in top eight, maybe I, I should, you know, me other streamers should make a point to not get help from chat. Um, I mean, it goes it, if you take it. To, I can think of the most extreme example I've seen of this is where there was someone made the top eight of a limited PDQ and they streamed the draft in the top eight, and that is. That just destroys tournament integrity in, entirely. I mean, mm. you, I think you, you, you were mentioning this as well. And I've definitely, I definitely watched that stream when it happened, right, Gab? What do you think about? There, there's definitely got to be a point where, like, you know, streaming, streaming high stakes competitive stuff not only ruins it for like the integrity for you, for yourself, but also for other people around in in the tournament as well. Yeah, 100% agree. I think that's the most egregious example of when you should definitely not stream because not only are you yeah you're just hurting the the rest of the table imagine the person sitting to your left or right gets to see what you're drafting and draft accordingly so you're you're not only are you super hurting your own chances but you're also just hurting chances of have the table and that 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 that's like worst case scenario i think but even in maybe a tournament like a showcase basically any tournament where there's not open deck list and that's pretty high stakes I don't. I think maybe you should just not be streaming, you know, because you know if you get paired against someone, then people can see what they're playing and what's in their deck, and that gives some people a, an unfair edge. You know, it's kind of the same thing. It used to be the same thing in live, right? When you play in a feature match, you give away. You know, it's it's like kind of bad for equity to get a feature match because then more people pay attention to your match, and more people see what you're playing and what's in your deck, whether it's on coverage or even live at the tournament site. But, you know, that's like kind of for the common good. It's just, you know, it evens out in the long run. So you could argue that same thing for stream that, okay, one time you're going to show that person's deck list and another time that person's deck list, but it's going to even out in the long run. The problem is, like, you know, it's, you know, in the short run, it's unfair to some people. So it's like kind of tricky. I think this talk is just, I mean, ultimately it's Watsi's fault. They should. They never act on any of their policies. I swear. If you're saying it's against TOS, then this guy should be banned already. You know, I'm friends with a, a Valorant semi-pro, and there was stream sniping in like some like tier four or five Valorant tournament, and the the guy got insta banned. Literally insta banned by the company. If the you know, and Valorant's a way bigger game than Magic, right? And they insta banned like some small ten viewer streamer. That was like sniping um, some other guy, because he he like basically he like he alt tabbed when he was playing the game, and it showed in like one of his open applications, like the Twitch stream of someone else that he was like sniping. So like, I think it's all down to Watsi. I mean, they should insta ban this guy on Magic Online for sniping you, and then it just solves the talk because it's against TOS. It's nothing to do with morals. If it's against TOS, it's against the rules. You shouldn't do it, and it shouldn't be allowed. And there's not really a talk to it. I've been sniped before many times. I mean, the funniest snipe I've actually had, this was ages ago, I think a year and a half ago, two years ago. I was playing classic blue-white control uh, against Tron, game three. I had a Jace brainstorming. Someone in my Twitch chat puts, I bet you're going to draw the fucking path to exile. I'm so confused. Then my opponent casts a worm coil engine 
And then I top deck a path to Excel, and the guy puts in chat like, you lucky fuck. And then he was like, fuck you, you're so lucky. I'm like, why is this guy in chat raging to me for winning? <laughs> for winning. And then I realized that it was just my opponent. So I just banned him and, and obviously beat him. I thought that's my funniest stream snipe. But I get these weird moments, you know, I know what you mean. You always get these like weird games or like weird names of opponents that are kind of similar in chat. Recently, one that was super weird as I absolutely destroyed this guy 2-0. He played kind of badly. So after the match, I was just like, that opponent didn't play very well. And then someone put in my Twitch chat, your opponent just told me that your mom doesn't play very well. <laughs> so then, I, Yeah, so then I was kind of confused. Maybe it was like his friend watching my stream for him or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, that was very weird. Um, but yeah, I think honestly with stream sniping, the way I look at it is it's like playing dirty. You know, if Watsy aren't going to do anything, you can do it, but you're just a massive dick. It's kind of like going to a football game and I don't know, you know, tackling people dirty. You know, I mean, that's how I look at it. You're playing dirty. It's not nice. Yes, yeah. you can do it, but you're a dick. That's how there's, I look at yeah, it. Yeah, there's sometimes you play a game of basketball and the referee's just not calling like certain kinds of fouls. You're like, well, I can just get away with it today. And if it, if it, sometimes it crosses the line and it's and and it's and it's bad form or you're hurting other people or something like that. Yeah, I, I completely I completely agree with you. I remember that um, M Michael Jacobs, like MJ, like Darkest Mage, used to stream mm. with a with a, a, a blackout over his opponent's uh, name nameplate on Magic Online and also over the over the person whose turn it was. So he had basically had the entire sidebar except for his life total uh, covered. And also the phases bar, so you couldn't right. see whose turn it was or what the opponent's name was at any point in time to kind of cover up the the possibility that you're ruining the integrity for someone else, like oh. leaking someone else's deck and stuff like that. But that's an right. incredibly, incredibly like cumbersome and a roundabout way of like you know trying to maintain maintain some integrity. I don't know this is just kind of the world that we live in. I think you're right, Harry. The best solution to it is if. If the company that says this is against our terms of service just cracks down and says, like, bang, you're done, it probably just cuts down it all entirely. You see them make adjustments for it as well for, like, these sort of weird kind of scummy things that people do on Magic Online and stuff like that. I mean, there's buttons now on every time someone trades, you know, initiates a trade with you, there's a little button that says, like, just turn off trades during matches. You can just select that and turn off turn off being trades because people were getting trade spam to time them out mm. in top eight to tournaments. Like they literally programmed in a fix for that in the, like, you know, in the last six months or something like that. I can imagine there's ways that they could program in just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in streaming mode and it just hides, hides your username and the opponent's username. But yeah, you know, here we are. It's not particularly kind of, it's, it's sort of a conversation that comes up every six months or so. Someone, it happens in a high profile uh, situation and, Someone makes a tweet about it, and you know, we go through the same rigmarole, right? Where yeah, it's always just like yeah, it's people, always yeah. it's funny. You can it's, all... it's fine. You you you're you're a part of it all the time. Yeah, it's always the same people defending the ghost. It's always the same shitty arguments. It's like, well, if you're just showing your hand, it's okay to look at it, and you know, like they're making like the false equivalencies and and whatnot. But I and I agree with you, Harry. I was just talking about you know the, from the streamer side that I don't. Yeah that maybe it also doesn't, you know, there's some responsibility that if you're going to be streaming, I think you should be taking the worst of it. You shouldn't free roll your opponents. Like typically you shouldn't, you know, let's say you're you're playing for a top eight or in a top eight challenge, you know, it's getting serious, stakes are getting somewhat high. You shouldn't be like, okay, I'm going to play without chat to focus. So you're focused, but then you shouldn't go to chat if you have a really tough decision in a key spot either. You know, I think that would be bad etiquette. And I don't think I, I do that or not, you know, not, not on purpose. But, um, you know, I feel like either you should keep interacting with chats like you would normally do and you take your wins and losses at the same time or you should, you know, not, 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 not pay attention to chat because you want to focus but also not get help from chat. So be more mindful of it, I guess. Yeah. Though, you know, obviously we don't stream. I don't stream magic to get an edge in my tournaments. You know, that's hmm. the, I'm not like, ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stream it so I can get help from Twitch chat. I mean, I mean, sometimes Twitch chat does help, but it's not like, you know. Yeah, I think you you kind of went on that. You, you made comments to that effect in your in the tournament where you were like, 
when people were making that argument, they're saying like, oh yeah, you get help from chat all the time. You're like, well, the best results I've had all year are the ones where I don't have any chat interaction. You know, like you, know, yeah. you qualify for worlds. You know, I mean, I, another thing I mean, is the, the argument that you know you're getting help. From Twitter, yeah, you know, I mean that was. I don't think that was the greatest argument. To be fair, I don't think that was not, it was, good, it, was, it was a good kind of rubbing the nose. The, yeah, it was. The, it was, the was, well, was Yeah, exactly. Let's not let the thing is though, you guys point. are forgetting the fact of like ninety nine percent of Twitch chat are. are you know, trying to trip you up. They're saying dumb stuff because they think, <laughs> you know, someone told me I could prismatic ending a land today, right? <laughs> they were like, play to fairy time raveler instead because you can prismatic ending their land oh, that uh, really on there. Good. I was like, you know, you got to sift through all these things. Like people only look at the plus side of Twitch chat. If you're reading Twitch chat, they're going to be people, people saying bad things, bad plays, people thinking you can force of negation pitching on your turn. It's crap like that. You know what I mean? It's not perfect. As well as the thing is, right? I think it's kind of dumb to say you should stream on a delay or you should stream with a hand hider. That's actively not what Watsy want you to do. It hurts the Twitch category as well as it hurts your numbers. If you yeah. stream with a hand hider, stream with a delay, you're hurting your business. If you stream without it, you're potentially hurting your win rate. So you've got to choose what you would like to lose. And in reality, it, this is Watsy's problem because this actively hurts the promotion of their game. But obviously they don't care and they don't notice that. Of course, like most things, they don't notice with their uh, Twitch stuff. And that's kind of my last opinion on it. Yeah, no, but that's an important point because, you know, if you if you make the assumption that streamers are good for the game because creates engagement and people can watch and it grows the game, then people ghosting actively hurt the game because then the streamer has put a delay or hand hider and then that's worse for everyone except for that one person that's cheating. So, yeah, I mean, and that's 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 a big thing of it. And, you know, that's why ghosting's really bad. And, you know, on top of being cheating, it just hurts everyone. But I also think it shouldn't, you know, as a streamer, maybe you should you should also, you know, be, be careful in these high stakes matches and, uh, you know, adapt accordingly i think that's a, that's it's a, this has been a good way of framing that argument i i think because we all know that the that the act of ghosting is bad i, I think that it's good to focus on the things that you know, the, the, the the individual who's streaming can do to essentially negate the kind of bad arguments that people put forth essentially the kind of you know oh you get help from twitch chat you're like no okay well well when the stakes are high i will close twitch chat and i will i will do the right thing you know if Essentially, just kind of taking the moral high ground <laughs> in a lot of respects, and just letting the, letting letting the ghost uh, be the scumbag, and doing what you can to kind of you know to, to to level the playing field or you know reduce your own kind of advantages you could possibly gain. But I, I'm definitely with Harry that if you just sit there and listen to Twitch chat all day every day, like it's just not going to work out for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just. It's it's just such an annoying thing because stream sniping is bad, and then people make it out like it's an argument, you know? Like, it's just, okay, cool, dude. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like I, we've had this episode before already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else we want to get get into? Well, why, in, don't, uh, why, don't, why don't we just say that last episode, Harry, you said that you think Crashing Footfalls is awful, but it won yeah. the Saturday challenge, and then it came second in the Sunday challenge. So nah, nah, what is it about this trash. deck that's like... What is it about this deck that, you know, people are kind of... Well, maybe you missed, but like, you know, what does this deck do that's really, really, really quite interesting? Because I played zero games with it. I think it's such a high variance deck. You know, it burns out really quick. Um, in my opinion, anyways, I think I've played four leagues with it now. I've got like a four one, two three twos, and like a one four maybe. I mean, obviously, I'm not playing great with it because it's not really my style of deck. But the whole concept of it makes sense. But I just feel like you have so many draws where it's like. You need to top deck the Cascade spell, you don't, you lose. You mulligan, you don't have the Cascade spell, you suspend crashing footfalls, you lose. Everyone's playing Chalice of the Void, Engineered Explosives, you lose because of that. Ragavan's hard to remove if you, you know... Like, a lot of games, it's like, I know my opponent has the Ragavan, I need the removal spell and the Cascade spell, and you don't, and then you lose. Like, maybe you keep the Cascade, and then, you, you know, you're too slow, or you keep the removal and never draw the Cascade. I just feel like there's too many things that have to line up, and I think that makes a high variance. Maybe yeah. with, uh, what's it called, Hammer Time? Maybe Hammer Time's a good matchup, and I'm missing something. 
Not sure, but I think I, the true thing is EE and Chalice being so popular is, is the demise of this deck. Yeah, I think getting started on turn two with your removal against Ragavan is a real, a real, a real trap with this deck. And I don't think that Rhinos go over the top of um, of Hammer Time sufficiently, but at the same time, this deck just keeps doing well. And I really like a lot of the elements of it. I mean, I think this like I'm looking at the the winners deck list from the Saturday, so this is uh, Boucher. And it's just really clean. It's just kind of, you know, 16 creatures, four footfalls, whole bunch of interaction, like four force of negation, four subtleties, three cryptic command, two Jason Mind Sculptor, like four fire ice. That element is kind of it's got a it's got a pretty good grinding control game, I thought. Yeah, you know, all the adventure creatures, like all your cards are like two for ones. It's a really impressive deck on paper, I think. Were you not were you just not here last week? Uh, we literally talked about it. I actually played in a challenge last weekend, and I went 4-0 against the field and 0-3 against Hammer Time, and Hammer Time fell awful. And I think maybe that's why the deck did well, because Hammer Time was not that popular. So that's why maybe they got first and second. Uh, well, it was two different players, but... Um, okay, yeah, so we're, we're retreading ground. Okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. It, no, it's fine. I was just... I was like, didn't we talk about that deck last week? I was like, yeah, we did. I, I, I played that deck. And yeah, it, it was really bad. I mean, maybe some people don't listen to the cast every week or they forgot. But yeah, my experience was that it's really bad against Hammer Time. I had games where I would lose despite drawing all removal plus the Force of Vigor and still lose. And it felt quite good against the rest. It felt quite good against the, the Blue Red Murktide deck. So... Yeah, I think uh, from my experience, I felt like as long as you can dodge hammer time, it's a pretty decent deck. Yeah, I just don't think it can. There's too many things it's doing wrong in in lower stakes. It's, its card quality is really, really high. I just I, I just keep seeing it crop up, and I'm just not playing any games with it. It's, it. It looks cool on paper. I really like it. Yeah, and it has some cards that I, I get really scared by as well. You know, from you know playing blue red Murktide, I'm, I'm scared of subtlety when you're you're really relying on getting a Murktide into play and having it be the blocker you need against the four fours like four brazen borrow four subtlety makes it really hard to do along with jason my scolder and cryptic there's just a lot of elements here that um yeah it's that sounds... i like on paper the endurance out of the sideboard access to blood moon fury i really like fury fury is a really good cutting at hammer time yeah it's not it's not easy to hit the card that really got me and almost got me both matches was jason mind sculpture i was not super well equipped with the jeskai deck to to deal with it and I know you've been playing some Jace in uh, your deck too, right, Pat? Oh yeah, I'm. I've got two Jace in the sideboard in my Blue Red Motai deck at the moment, and it has been great. I've just been messaging uh, our little group chat. Like every time someone like I cast my cast my Jace, my opponent just like has this long pause and then takes a draw step and is just like, "Ah, oh, we're done." It's just the best feeling on planet Earth. It's so good. I've been really, I've been really enjoying that Blue Red Motai deck. I mean, I know this is kind of probably. They're not preaching the converter, but you, you guys know that I know how I feel about that deck. But yeah, it reminds me a bit of Grixis Shadow. That's probably why you love got it that so element much. to it. I I really like spending my mana efficiently. I really, really, really like spending my mana just all the time, just casting as many spells as I possibly can, and seeing as many cards as I can. And it doesn't matter that they're a little bit worse than the cards that you're playing. I'm just playing so many more of them that it doesn't matter. I just love the element, the way it switches gears as well. I love the, I love the. The tempo aspect in game one i love the switch up to playing control i love the pivoting you know to be oh actually no i'm racing right now versus uh, you know I, I need to play this one slow and grind it out i think it's just a it's a it's exactly the kind of deck that i like playing and it just has so happens it also be really good so it's been it's been it's been great for me and, and my win rate on magic online lately but yeah, i was i've made some adjustments trying to fix the hammer time matchup i don't play any vapor snags anymore i think that card was just too one-dimensional but i've been essentially experimenting with various different like ways to configure my deck post board and my current configuration post board takes out all eight of my one drop creatures and just as like just four murktide region or maybe even three i just bought i think i bought out one murktide region and four and eight. so nine creatures come out of my deck and i just bring in like jaces blood moons explosives yeah, all these, yeah a few counter spells more cheap removal uh i don't have any more cheap removal i just have two explosives i have one spell snare which is a card that I, I, I'm really high on at the moment and is probably a reasonable time to just introduce a topic. I think that ex explosive iteration is probably one of the top five cards in the format at the moment. And one of the most important cards to counter in the blue red mirror or against any of the decks that play play iteration. So having access to spell snare has been really good for me. 
Um, it's good, also good against Hammer Time because it you know, counters uh, Paladin and it counters uh, Stoneforge Mystic. And if they're playing Ingenious Myth, it also tags that too. And in addition to that, they also have a lot of like pro red two drops post boards that maybe have Core Firewalkers or Sanctifier on a deck. And yeah, you know, if you're not really prepared, those cards can can give you a little bit of trouble. But part of the reason I've been going to this kind of like take out my A1 drops uh, configuration is because of the pro red creatures in particular. I'm not particularly scared of Grizzly Bear if it's not brick walling my my one drop. And yeah. it's really hard to turn on Delirium if they have Sanctifier in play, so you can't get your, your Dragon Rage Channeler into the air. And you can't get Ragavan through it, obviously. So if you just take out those cards, you just never draw never draw anything that makes it awkward when they play when they play their Grizzly Bear. And so you can just take a bunch of hits from Grizzly Bear and it doesn't matter. So that's worked really well for me. And also I'm playing a couple of Kozilek's returns as well, just because one of the things that I was struggling with the most against Hammer Time is just kind of them getting a few things on board and me being like, I just can't like trade efficiently to, inter- to trade with these. I just need to be able to sweep them and clear them away. And having Kozilek's return was like the best option there because it also cleared up the pro-red creatures. So yeah, that, I've got like a pre- pretty kind of like radical configuration of Merktide post-board against Hammer Time and it's been really successful for me. I lost today actually the first, that's the first time in like maybe like eight or nine days that I've lost to Hammer Time in league with this kind of taking on this strategy and so i think i think i've i've made the match up at least palatable like the sort of thing where like if i was going to a big tournament i wouldn't be like embarrassed that like i was just cold to hammer time which i had been feeling uh in the lead up you know to make before i like kind of made this made these kind of changes and shifted the way i was thinking about approaching the matchup yeah that sounds that sounds really good boarding out the creatures not having dead cards just all, all, all cheap removal and backed up by jace I remember back in the Grixis Shadow days, I was always terrified when my Grixis opened and had Jace in their sideboard, especially when you're ramping them with Spath and whatnot. Yeah, Jace's the, and Liliana are the last hope with, yeah. the, with the big Planeswalkers that I was I was really into. Maybe and, Jace Rune's Prodigy as well, if you're feeling lucky. Yeah, and you know, because you know, you you were playing against Grixis Shadow, and you know you could just like basically, you know, if you can kill all their creatures, then eventually you'll win the game. And uh you can tap out and, and whatnot, but uh, J- Jace change, changes that. And I can see a deck like my Jeskai deck totally struggling. You know, when I'm just playing a bunch of removal, knowing that their deck is super one dimensional, and, you know, all I have to do is draw removal spells and draw more cards, and I'll be okay. But if they have Jace, then that goes out of the window. It's, oh, it's you'd, be, you'd be in so much trouble if you, if you had all these verdicts in against me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I tap out for Verdict, you tap out for Jace. Now I need to be careful. Maybe have, you know, I mean, I was bringing a few counter spells in a dispute, but that'd be really scary. And it's kind of what happened. It's totally what happened against uh, the Rhino deck because, you know, I have counterplay to their game plan. And even if they do resolve Rhino, I still have Verdict. But Jace is a good counter to uh, someone relying super hard on Supreme Verdict. Yeah, I've definitely just had that moment when I played the blue red mirror as well, where they just, you know, the the, the mirror, the dynamic in the mirror is largely Merktide. Merktide region is bigger than anything you can possibly do. It doesn't die to any removal spells if you make it big enough. So all the fights take place essentially over Merktide region. And so when you just engage in battles over Merktide region, and then I attack on cast Jace and I bounce it. Yeah. So like, <laughs> the opponent just left there kind yeah. of like sitting there, their timer's just ticking down. Yeah. Thinking about what on earth they like, what have they gotten themselves into? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's I think the thing where like if it catches on though, like the dynamic shifts again, like people start picking up more force negations in their deck, and so yeah, you, know, you can just shift shift things backwards and forwards, and I, I find that kind of like that little sort of little, little leveling game in the meta game quite quite interesting. But yeah, right now I'm happy with where this is in for for the, the modern format in general. I really feel like it gives me a lot of advantages against the kind of black red attrition decks, which are really hard to interact with. You know, they 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 kind of have the attrition advantage if you don't have cards like Jace, because they just have Croxa, and Croxa can run away with the game. And so, you know, having that element of like they have to worry about Merc Tides, but they also have to worry about Jace, really makes it you know means that you you do have kind of like outs to beating a Croxa that goes unchecked early on or something like that, or if you can't draw your Soul Guide Land or whatnot. Yeah, I mean, you still do have Lightning Bolt, and if you do add that fourth scholar, you have Ending for four. But it's always the same thing; you need to have it right away, or else the the game the game is over. And like, to you know, down tap with Jace, the game's basically over. So yeah, I'm still zero. 
yeah, I've still just started losing contact with Jace. Like I've I've had I've had it come into play at brainstorms and they lightning bolt it. And yeah, fine, okay, that's that's an exchange I can probably tolerate. I spent a lot more mana than them, but at the same time, that means they've been sitting on a piece of interaction in hand, like that they don't they're, not, they're less good at drawing cards, all this sort of stuff. It's just there's that kind of I, I really I always used to make fun of the concept of kind of like card velocity and stuff like that when I was when I was younger. I still think it's a kind of strange strange kind of theoretical topic, but this the act of seeing more magic cards really does give you a big advantage. Which is why I love expressive iteration as uh, explosive iteration so much as well. It just gives you it's so much better than just kind of just drawing straight two off the top of your deck. Just that that extra extra little bit of selection, even if it's a little bit awkward to try and like you know figure out which you know you optimize for you know what do you exile, what do you, what do you put in hand, and I, I make the, I make mistakes that you know still at the moment I'm not paying attention. But you know that, that you see so many cards with cards like expressive expressive iteration in your deck that. It gives you some advantage, even if you still wind up making a kind of one-for-one -one trade in the end. Yeah, I'm surprised you haven't brought up the fact that I called iteration a, you know, what did I call it? An anticipate, a bad anticipate, a slightly <laughs> what, better anticipate. What, well, I, I I said I think this is really good, and you said mm, I'm not convinced, and I was like, well, like look at it. Even the worst case scenario, you can just cycle it, and it's like anticipating, and you're like, oh, sorcery speed anticipate. That's a really good modern power level card. And here we are. Yeah. Probably the best card in from that set in many formats. What did yeah. I say? I said it was a worse light at the stage or a more expensive light at the stage. You said maybe? it was a more expensive. You, you, you likened the light at the stage. And I, I was just like, this is just like a turn three play, a turn four play, a turn eight play. This is just great. It costs two mana and it draws two cards. Yeah, it's literally a two mana divination early on in Ancestral Recall in the late game. It's absolutely busted. And I just, I, I adore it. It's one of my favorite cards they've printed in a long time. Actually, one of the, um, I think it was Andrew Brown, so one of the people who works for Watsy, tweeted the other day, is expressive, explosive iteration, is it explosive iteration or expressive expressive. Iteration? expressive. Is expressive iteration fun? And a lot yes. of people say no. What? I kind of think it's fun. I it's think it's powerful. annoying to play against. It's fun to cast. Yeah, I like this. I like the minigame that it brings up. I, I like the fact good. that you get to see one of the cards that they they draw. I think that's really fair about it. Well, you're going to see it anyway, because they have to cast it straight away. But, like, yeah, I, I think it's a really cool magic card, and, and I enjoy, like, looking at the top three and be like, oh, this is a tough one. Yeah, I think it's it's oppressive. It's extremely oppressive, and it's one so of the reasons I. why Blue has been so good in, in Historic on Arena. So I think it's a fine card if, you know, other decks and other colors are also doing powerful stuff, but it's, I mean, the, the power level of that card's through the roof. It yeah. sees play every... <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, every format, the best decks and expressive iteration deck, pretty much. Yeah, I, I was actually, I actually tweeted that Doomwake uh, today. He was gonna stream some Urza's Kitchen, some kind of like as you know, Asmer Dracula, Dracula or whatever Underworld Cookbook deck. Yeah, and he's like, like, it's a blue red version. I was like, why aren't we playing Why are you playing expressive iteration in this deck? And I, it's almost at the point where I think that it's just this, it's the cornerstone of. Any, any deck that can cast it, I think you should probably be trying to find a way to put it in your deck because it's so good on turn three and it's so good at... It just works so well if your deck's full of cheap cards. Yeah. I mean, it's a big reason why I won the challenge. It's four iterations. And the funny part is I kind of felt like I was obliged to play iteration to keep up with... was Merktide, was the blue You were, you were thinking about cutting one before the challenge started, I thought. Yeah, it was it was you know four or three. I was worried it'd be a little clunky, but uh, I think I was happy. Ended up playing four. Yeah, the question I, I just is, so happy when I draw it. What's the best card in modern? Do you guys think? Do you think it's a new card or is it still one of the oldies? The best card in I have modern, an answer to it. In a vacuum, yeah. Honestly, in a vacuum, it it's tough. I think it's, it's unholy it, heat. It could be a duration. There's no way. I mean, Lightning Bolt's got to be better than Unholy Heat. I think, I think Lightning Bolt's better than Unholy Heat. You think? I think yeah. Unholy Heat has pushed a, a few decks out of the format. I think Titan is gone because of Unholy Heat. I think Unholy Heat's changed the format more than Iteration has. Right? E-Tron isn't a thing. Um, Titan isn't a thing anymore. I feel like Unholy Heat has made all the aggro decks be able to beat Big Mana. I mean, part of that... 
part of that dynamic change is also the counterspell exists. True, true. There is a game. But you, have I mean, you can argue you can argue for Dragon Race Channeler as well. I think that card is a that card is a, a far more egregious offender in terms of pushing these kind of low to the ground tempo tempo or you know Xerox style kind of like you know lots of high high cantrip and high uh, seeing high volume of card decks than Ragavan is. I mean, like, all the deck building, though, is disrupted by Unholy Heat. You, we were even saying earlier, we were playing, like, hardly any Planeswalkers because of the card. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think maybe it's close. It still feels like it could be just, you know, the, the what was it, Urza Saga, Shardless Agent. And what's the third build around? I mean, I guess it was Asmu. It was the food M- deck Mertai. for a while. Yeah, I don't Murktide, think you could call, you can't you can't say Murktide is the best card in modern. No, I don't think no, so. Certainly not. I, I wouldn't even begin to make that argument. But it's, maybe, it's sort of one of the build rounds. Maybe maybe the the, the like triangle of Charlotte's Agent, Urza Saga, and Expressive Iteration, or Ragavan. I think the Ragavan Dragon Race Channeler package is kind of maybe it's yeah. just Mishra's bubble. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, is Chandler would Chandler be good without bubble? It'd be less good. Whereas iteration, you know, I was playing in my control deck. You play in blue red. You literally, you know, any deck that, that plays blue red, you're gonna play four four iterations or four lightning bolt. Wait, is it just Lurus? Nah, I don't, I don't think Lurus is the best card. I think it might just be Bubble. Yeah, I think oh, actually. I just started calling it Bubble, Gab. Why? Why did you have to? It's Bauble, Bauble, Bauble. Make sure it's Bauble. You always say Bubble, and it now it's now seeped into my brain. Now I just say make sure it's Bubble. <laughs> it's a silent a anyways i th- i think it i think it might be ball i'm still sick of unholy here i think that card is insane um one yeah. presence to a set certainly like just a heavily impactful set and modern feels a little pretty significantly different uh post post modern presence too i just like that it's added a whole bunch of role-playing cards rather than individual cards that are just like you know that a Hogak, like, an entirely different deck appears, and suddenly, like, the entire format's warped around it. Now it's just kind of like, this is, like, introduced a kind of, it's ushered in a new style of magic into modern a little bit. We haven't played this kind of super lean and kind of Delva-style modern for a very long time. I don't think it's really existed or been very good at all in in modern's history, and now suddenly it's this is what the format's about. It's about spending your mana over and over and over again. And that's just why it's why Ragavan's so powerful. It's not just because, not because it draws cards, because it rarely draws cards, because it adds mana. It just makes mana, and you spend your mana, and it's great. I got Savage today. They just played Perenin 6 on turn 2 was their Ragavan, and they had a fetch land. That's the, <laughs> I mean, I, that's, yeah, I've been playing a deck, but... Uh, yeah, I basically added Omnath to that Jeskai deck, and that deck's been good. But before before that, I kind of want to talk about a, a list from the, the Saturday challenge, which I thought would make a bigger splash on Sunday. It was a Spider Space Red Black deck. It was funny because, I mean, not that funny, but, you know, I played that Naya deck because I was like, okay, I want to play Bubble, Chandler, Ragavan, Lightning Bolt, and then I need to come up with the rest of the, the deck. And then Spider Space, and I'm sure many other did that as well. And what he came up with was, Red Black Food was Asmoic Cookbook and also playing Ragavan, Chandler, you know, Croxa, Daredevil. So I thought that deck was pretty cool. He ended up losing in the, he had a good run in the Swiss and he ended up losing in the in the quarters, I think. Um, you know, some he was in some really tough spots, but uh, I thought that deck was pretty cool. And I actually expected that deck to be really popular on Sunday because Spider Space was streaming and the deck looked really good. And I thought, you know, people would pick it up and I actually did not see it at all on sunday Doomwake sure. was Doomwake was talking about it on his stream on on saturday as well i think Doomwake kind of bubbled for top eight between rounds he was looking over the spider space deck it's it's really impressive on paper it's got it does that thing that you know exactly like you said like, i play all the good cards and fit them into one deck yeah i still yeah we're still probably this is the sort of thing where like a, in week one of the format, week two, we were kind of like, what is the best shell for Urza Saga? Because it's very, very powerful. And we're still kind of fumbling our way there, I think. Yeah. It does. It's definitely double. It's like got, it's got a great kind of like multiple angles of attack. Like you have to kind of interact with the battlefield and it also interact with the graveyard. And, you know, it can, it can get under you really fast, but it can also just attrition, attrition you with season pyromancer and stuff like that. It's a pretty scary deck. 
He had a really cool card in the sideboard, Big Game Hunter. I used to play that card in the Hollow oh, One deck. It used to be one of my yes. favorite cards in the the Hollow One sideboards to to deal with. It was really good to deal with Tarmogoyf, especially. I don't remember what were the other big ones in the mirror match. I was not yeah, a Tom fan Wolf of and Angela. Yeah. I was not a fan of Four Leyland of the Void. I know he was worried about Blue Red, but uh, I think just probably more spell. On that. I just strongly dislike Leyland. You know me. Even though this deck can actually cast it and you can discard it as a cookbook, but yeah, I thought that the list was uh, was was pretty pretty neat. So I want to give it a shout out. Yeah, um, it's certainly not a deck I want to play against anytime soon. Yeah. I think it was maybe the only kind of original deck in the in the Saturday challenge. And on Sunday, Footfalls, there was uh there was some mail. I'm glad I dodged mail. I don't think I could beat mail in a million years. Uh, I beat Sadak, he was on living in. I actually beat him in the last round of Swiss, but he still he still made the cut. That was a really close matchup, even though I had a bunch of hate at resting piece in the main deck and some more hate in the sideboard and i still think living in is is a super super strong deck and there's I agree. some i agree i still think it's great i still have two soul guy land in my deck in my sideboard just out yeah. of respect for it yeah you, you do need you need the, the respect to respect it but yeah i wanted to talk about it's about a deck i've been playing since sunday it's basically the jeskai deck and i added omnath and it was funny because on sunday uh you know what I do now is before challenges, I, I message you guys. We have we have our little uh, chat. So I was like, "Look, guys, I think I'm gonna play that." I sent a screenshot, and then you guys give me a little feedback. And I kind of did it at the really last second on Sunday. And Harry was like, "Why don't you add green for Omnap?" And I had actually thought about it, but I was like, "No, I'm gonna play Jessica. I also have five minutes left, so I don't really have time to mess up mess mess with the mana and and come up with a 75." But uh, I did do that. I've uh, been playing played a couple of leagues. I basically took the Jeskai Shell, added Ren and Six and Omnath to the main deck. Uh, only two green cards. Also, Nashi gives me fourth color with ending or four ending. And then in sideboard, my green cards are uh, a Run of Foul, a Bill of Summer, and Endurance. And that deck's been super impressive. I played it in a league yesterday. I lost one game. I played it in the second league today. I did lose a match where I misplayed. I had actually a pretty Pretty sick spot. I got distracted. They played the Torak that gets counters. Oh, no, no, no. They had a Torak. They had a 4 free Torak and a Lurus, and I bowled the Torak, and they made it a really good play. They called against commands me in response to make me discard to pump the Torak, put it out of reach of, of Bolt, and I clicked OK before I could realize I had Solitude and Teferi in hand. With my last two cards, I could have pitched Solitude or pitched Teferi to Solitude to exile Lurus, and then I would have had no cards left in hand, so the Torak wouldn't have gotten the extra counter from the discard effect of Culligan's Command. I would have cleared the board, and then it would have been, you know, we're both out of resources, basically, and it would have been a game. But I, I kind of missed it, and uh, I finally picked up a loss. But I've been just super impressed. Same same concept, though, you know, tap out, lots of cheap removal, the four bolts, the four endings. I, uh, you know, on after the run and six, obviously insanely powerful. Your mana gets a tiny bit worse, but it has seemed totally worth it. You know, with the Jeskai deck, I felt like I was getting good matchups and getting pretty lucky. And with with this deck, I uh, you know I felt like it's just just super good deck. I think the addition of those green cards is like I you have people throw this around. It's free, but at the same time, the deck is it, it fits so well with what that deck's trying to do. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm still playing four iterations. It might be a bit, you know, maybe too many. Uh, I'm playing, not, I show you. Yeah, I'm playing one Snapcaster Mage. That's a good suggestion from from my chat. I was looking for one more card, and you know, for the, a bit for the same reason, I've been liking one Solitude in these decks. Just kind of late game value with the Fairy Time Rattler. Snapcaster does a little bit of the same thing, and still an, an early play. So uh, yeah, and I <laughs> I build a. My, my classic 15 one ofs in the sideboard. And uh, usually I'll do that for the first league, you know, kind of meme. And it actually stuck for the second league. I didn't, I felt like it was really good. I somehow, in all my five rounds, I had the perfect in and out. I exactly had enough cards to bring in and bring out in every matchup. So just kind of uh, stuck to it. Well, I guess that's kind of wrapping up modern today. Not gonna lie, I barely spoke because I'm burning to a crisp. 
But, uh, you know, we're moving towards the end of the episode. As always, we do uh, The Price is Right using cards from Card Market. And we're going to do Teferi Time Raveler today because I think that's kind of the highlight of Modern this week for uh, our decks. So, Gab, why don't you start us off? How much do you think Teferi Time Raveler is cheapest English copy? Cheapest English copy? I know it's around 50 ticks on Magic Online. I'm going to guess more or less than 50. I'm going to say 55 euros. No, cheapest <laughs> English copy, I'm going to say 50 euros. Okay. 20, oh, no, it's a, it's a regular... It's a regular rare. It's not a mythic rare. You're locked in at 50. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, well. I know <laughs> it's... Case. 18 euro. 18 euro. I, I know it's obscenely expensive on Magic Online, but maybe it's like totally not the case. And yeah, it's probably way cheaper alive. I probably blew it. All right. Why did you say so, that? You said 20. And what did you say, Harry? I sold two to Fairy Time Ravelers at 10 pounds each. Oh, I was eight months ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you about to rage saying I cheated? I'm going to say it's gone up. So I'm going to say, what did you say, Pat? 20? I was upfront. I did mention that I need a price on Magic Online. You know, you did mention that, oh, I've sold some yesterday on the market at 12 euro 50. I'm going to go 12 euro 50. Just getting yeah. scammed by Harry. <laughs> no, I'm going to say it's 15 euros. Let, let's check. Let's check. Uh, to Fairy Time Raveler. Uh, oh. There's too many Teferis. Oh, Raveler. There we go. The cheapest... Oh, 10 euros. 10 euros 75. Hasn't, hasn't budged. <laughs> I, got yeah. uh, I got totally... <laughs> 55 <laughs> euros. Yeah. Look at the bargains you can get at Magic Card Market. Yeah, look at it. I mean, you can get a playset for 44 euros. Easy clap. So go check it out if you want to fairy time Ravelers, I guess. But now we should go to Life on the Line. Those who are listening who don't know what Life on the Line is, it's a theoretical tournament tomorrow. If you win the event, you live. You lose, you die. Got to bring a deck from every format we talked about today. Just modern. So I'm going to be playing Gab's four-color uh, deck, and I'm also going to be cheeky and stream snipe because my life is on the line. Perfect. I, I really I really admire that Dennis Scumbag strategy. <laughs> you got to give yourself an edge, mate. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Even if my, life, if my life was on the line, would I stream snipe? I know That's, you're not below it. No anyway. comment, no comment, no comment. All right, I'm just playing Murkide. You'll I'm know the gonna, answer. Yeah, I'm just going to play the four-color on that deck, too. I've been playing. I think it's really strong. Okay, awesome. Sorry, I'm just looking at my frozen face on Gab's Twitch stream. But speaking of our Twitch stream, where can we find you on the internet, Gab? My bad. There you go. You're alive again. It's when I... Downside Skyverse for some reason. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Twitter, at Gab Nassif, Twitch, I stream almost every day. I'm probably going to be taking a day off here and there when, you know, the heat's, it's not too bad tonight, but I know it's coming, so, but I'll, I'll be on most of the time, twitch.tv slash yellow hats. You can find me anywhere on the internet at HarryMTG. On it, I was going to be streaming loads, but this heat is unbearable. I don't know if it's UK homes. We've got no aircon. I've got two fans in my room, and I feel I'm boiling. I'm drenched in sweat. Hear me cry. You know, I could cry about it all day. Pat, just let them know where they can find you on the internet. You can find me hiding in the air conditioning in the labs at the University of Oxford. <laughs> awesome. It's been great. Okay. Well, if you made it this far into the episode, you know, I hope the weather's great where you are. And I guess stay safe. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace. Take care, everyone.